welcome once again to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I am your host, John Harris. It is summer. It is summer. Summer is upon us. And uh, I've been doing some work as I can outside because uh, it's just so nice. Uh, I love the summer. But despite, I think what it, I think it was three days ago, something like that, I had a sunburn, a wasp sting, um, and, uh, and what else? I think I had some poison ivy on my hand, and I thought, yeah, it's summer. <laughs> but despite all that, uh, summer is a great, uh, great time to be out there. And, and while you're out there, you're going to want to make sure that you have something to hydrate you because it's so easy to get dehydrated in the summer. Uh, in fact, my wife and I just went through an experience with dehydration that uh, perhaps maybe I'll fill you in on uh, later on if, if we have time or uh, in a future episode. Um, in fact, she was uh, sick uh, for a big part of last week, which is one of the reasons I did not get to uh, do some of the podcasting I wanted to do. Uh, but dehydration is a serious thing. And so what you need is some iced tea. That's right, some iced tea. And one thing I don't like in an iced tea, I'll just tell you up front, uh, and it goes this goes for hot teas as well. I don't like it when it's weak. Well, Gold River Company's iced tea is not weak. It is really good. It is flavorful. Uh, I'm actually drinking uh, the green tea uh, iced tea blend right now. And uh, you're supporting a company when you purchase Gold River Company's tea uh, that is in line with your values, pro-Western civilization, pro-Christianity, employing American workers. And I'm tired of paying for products from companies that don't share my values. And, and in fact, they just hate my values. Let's put it that way. Uh, they hate uh, God's values. And so uh, I would uh, go with some Gold River Company tea, not just because it's good, but because you're supporting a good company. And if you put in the promo code at checkout, conversations, you'll save 10% on your order. So uh, go out and get you some Gold River Company sweet tea, some green tea, some iced tea for the summer months. Keep yourself from dehydrating. Now, I want to get to the topic at hand before I talk about anything uh, of the personal nature, just because this is, I, I want to get to it. This is, is important. This is something that people have asked me to talk about. Uh, I did do some interviews last week with some folks, uh, four different people, about this particular uh, issue, but uh, people still want, some people at least, to hear just my take on it. And so I'm going to give you that in this episode. And it, it is about the Southern Baptist Convention's task force to investigate sexual abuse in the convention and the guidestone report that accompanies this and uh, or guide post I'm sorry there I get confused because got guidestone I think is a company the Southern Baptist uses for financial things and so, anyway it's guidepost uh, independent outside secular very secular we'll go into that uh, company that they paid to do this cooperative program money went to unfortunately. And so uh, I want to talk to you about it. Uh, I want to give you my take. I want to bring you through some things to help you better understand this issue. And for those who are messengers going to the Southern Baptist Convention, I want to break it down in the most simple way I can. I want to give you the moving parts. I want to give you the relevant information so that when you walk in to that convention center, you'll know, you'll have at least a better idea about what's going on, what issues are uh, at stake. Um, can't cover everything. It's a long report, and there's a lot of moving parts. But I'm gonna, I want to give you what I think are the relevant pieces of information uh, in this. So uh, let's get started here. Let's just go through it. Uh, I, I have a slideshow here. For those who are patrons, you will uh, have access to this. I'll put the link in the info section, and you can download this and use it however you want. Um, I want to point out before we get started, I don't think you'll hear this anywhere else, but I, I started. I, what I did was I did a Google search. 
And you can, uh, in certain search engines, Google included, you can put a, you can restrict the date in which it's searching. So it will filter out articles that are newer or, or older, depending on what range you want. And so I decided I want up through 2021, what was said about guidepost in the, um, in relationship to the Southern Baptist Convention. And so I saw that, uh, and this might not be, um, exhaustive, but I saw that several of the Me Too advocates uh, that have worked with or are part of the denomination uh, in some way, there's some affiliation there, uh, were very negative about Guidepost, which I thought was interesting. Uh, that Guidepost was viewed in a negative way, that the Southern Baptist Convention should not be utilizing Guidepost. Well, why? Well, here's a uh, an article headline from Julie Roy's red flag surface about firm hired to investigate SBC's handling of abuse. That was June 17th, 2021. You have Dwight McKissick, who is one of the known more progressive minded pastors in the Southern Baptist Convention saying it is scandalous to allow the executive committee to appoint an investigative team independent of the SBC. So scandalous using guidepost solutions was scandalous. Uh, it merits protests, he said. This kind of wrong, raw in your face, insensitive treatment seems to be reserved for women and minorities. Only males making decisions for female victims is horribly wrong. Yes, that's right. So they, they shouldn't uh, use guidepost solutions. Uh, Boz Tavidian, who uh, actually, um, I'm, and I'm not certain, I should have probably looked it up, whether he is uh, currently a Southern Baptist or not. I do know, though, that he did have in affiliation with the Southern Baptist Convention's uh, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commissions, that's a mouthful, uh, their Caring Well initiative, and he contributed to that. And so he says this is a major problem if this is the same guidepost solutions hired by the SBC Executive Committee to conduct an independent review of their response to sexual abuse disclosures. And, and he posts uh, from an article about uh, an individual uh, in the financial world uh, Strauss-Kahn, if I'm saying that not right, I think Strauss-Kahn, and how he hired Guidepost Solutions. And uh, and the, that issue seems to be part of a larger issue that you can see in this uh, Twitter thread, if you're watching, from a guy named Wade Mulan. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right, too, or, or Mulen. I'm not sure. But he does his whole thread, and, and Wade Mulen uh, has written a book essentially from a more me too perspective so he's one of these advocates all the people that i'm putting here are, are uh, on some level me too advocates and he his basic thrust is that this guidepost solutions organization is uh, has been hired by a number of christian organizations like the summit church rzim and of course now the executive committee but his concern is that they've historically served wealthy individuals and corporations and the insinuation here is that with the intent to shield them, with the intent to try to protect them against outside lawsuits, to investigate those making claims, to discredit them. And so he goes through a number of outside uh, firms that have hired guideposts to, or, or organizations that have hired guideposts to help them navigate accusations of sexual misconduct. And so I want to just say off the, the top, before we even get into this, just look at the, the people who, at first, the crowd who was negative about using Guidepost. And now Guidepost, their report is just championed as if, you know, it's, it's almost unquestionable to some. You, you really have to take their recommendations seriously and everything they say seriously. And uh, if you don't, then you're on the side of the abusers now. 
Well, it wasn't that way less than a year ago. Guidepost was, a, uh, for some, a bad organization. It was an organization the Southern Baptist Convention shouldn't have been in, in league with. And the reason was, was because, well, they're going to help cover things up. That's the reason. Now, now I want to show you something uh, a little later, but there's a, essentially a crisis now with uh, Guidepost and the Southern Baptist Convention using them related to their view on the LGBT issue. But you're not seeing the same kind of rhetoric from these kinds, these this crowd and these people. They're not opposing guideposts, and this is a tra you're not seeing Dwight McKissick's language here. It's scandalous to use guidepost because of their affiliation with LGBT, uh, um, uh, their support for that kind of uh, sexual ethic. So it, I just want to point this out that there's we got some uh, hypocrisy or or if it, it's not hypocrisy it's just plain evil we have some some broken uh, some really broken moral compasses at play here if if it's such a problem half a year ago and now well not so much of a problem <laughs> even though their obviously their their sexual ethic is uh, is way way off. All right. So let's, um, let me give you just a few highlights I want you to remember. And uh, I, I've skimmed through, it's a long report. And it, it some people, in fact, one person I, uh, at least uh, emailed me and said, yeah, I read every page. And I'm like, well, you know, you probably sat there a while. Uh, I started reading it and I decided, you know, I'm just going to kind of go through the relevant parts here and uh, skim where I can. And um, I, I had to do that a lot in grad school. So it's not a problem. But uh, the a lot of it is uh, details on um, on re uh, basically uh, interviews that they conducted with uh, quote unquote survivors and uh, and just details in specific situations. And what I want to give to you is just kind of big picture stuff here, as much as possible. So uh, this is some of the things some of the things that I think is are relevant for us to understand moving forward that the guidepost report contains. It accuses the executive committee, these are my words, it accuses the executive committee of a pattern of covering up or avoiding reform in order to protect against liability. That's basically what's going on with the guidepost report. Uh, credible, um, the, and this is a, these are quotes, the rest are quotes here from guidepost. The term credible is defined not as manifestly false or frivolous. So give you an example here. The investigators found uh, Dr. Johnny Hunt to be, uh, or did not find Dr. Johnny Hunt to be credible in their interviews with him. So what they mean is that uh, that that he, uh, it, there's, there's maybe a little bit of, of an arbitrariness to this, but he, they don't believe Don, Johnny Hunt was accused of sexual misconduct. He says he didn't do abuse, but he did do some misconduct. And uh, so he actually he's accused of ab abuse in some way, basically forcing himself on someone else. And uh, the guidepost reporters or the investigators are saying, you know what, I, we don't find his testimony to be credible. We find the couple accusing him, their testimony to be credible. But credible, uh, the standard that must be met is just as not manifestly false or frivolous. That all, that's all it means. Uh, so, so you can see how you're already uh, opening Pandora's box here. You're, it's, a, it's a hard uh, definition to work with because it is so loose. And that's one of the problems with this report. And that's one of the complaints some people have with this report is that you have a mixture of people that are uh, most of them not new. It's really stuff the Houston Chronicle unearthed uh, or someone unearthed and sent to the Houston Chronicle in, I think, 2018. So you have some some 
uh, credible, if you want to call it that, not according to their definition, but according to a, a legal um, burden of proof was met and people were put away or uh, convicted. And, uh, and so you have people like that. And then you have people that just have credible accusations against them. So it's very hard to tell okay, like, who's, um, you'd have to go through with a fine tooth comb, who's actually legitimately has, has been convicted here in a court of law, uh, who's, who's just been accused. And if they've been accused, then, you know, how do we know whether or not there's anything to this, or if this is uh, a false accusation, or there's partial, partial truth, par par partial falsehood in it. Uh, it. It's murky. That That's really what I want to tell you It's murky. And part of it goes back to the definition that they're using. Now, the Committee on Nominations, the, the report says, should consider, this is one of their recommendations, having a gender balance on the um, on, on the CC, which is a committee they want to uh, implement, with at least four of the nine members, if membership numbers stay the same, uh, to be women in order to have enough representation to speak to female submitters and survivors. So this these, these, these few bits of information, I, I think, give you a picture that you're going to want to remember. The first is that there's a lot of murkiness and uh, vagueness to some of these, these accusations. I mean, with the Johnny Hunt thing, I've read his, his uh, response and I've read uh, the um, uh, accusations against him. And it kind of winds up in a he said, she said. And it's, it's something from, from years ago. It's, it's very hard uh, this far in, in the future to, to go back and, and piece those things together. It's almost in the realm of what a historian would do, not an investigator. But it, a lot of these things are like that. And so, uh, so you have the, the murkiness of the whole situation. And then you have uh, really what's given away here is that there is a kind of a, kind of a standpoint theory um, understanding that guidepost has well if you if you put your committee that's going to be responsible for investigating these things uh, or um, intaking these complaints of sexual abuse if you ha make sure that committee is composed of at least four of the nine members being women well then you're going to have a perspective there that's going to be able to deal with abuse uh, and and you're going to have that perspective missing if you don't have those people there and so it, it becomes important not necessarily to hire the most qualified or not necessarily to um, it, it, obviously, this is a secular company. It's not like they're looking to pastors to navigate these kinds of things. It's it's going to be well. Who's going to represent the women here? Because women are the ones getting um, credibly ma making these accusations primarily. And so it gives you this is the Me Too stuff. This gives you a window into how Guidepost is approaching this, and it's it's the same way that Me Too would approach this that whole movement. And this isn't the way, and I'll talk to it about it later in this uh, particular podcast, this isn't the way biblically to go about these things, which is part of the big problem here. Now, Johnny Hunt made a whole statement. I thought about reading it. I'm not going to for the sake of time, but I'm including it here for those who are patrons that want to read his statement, or you can just look it up yourself. Uh, it is on posted on Twitter. Johnny Hunt posted it there. And, um, and so he contradicts some of what he says is sensationalized by the Guidepost report. And he admits to what he says is wrong, but then uh, says, you know, th this is going way beyond. You know, he never abused anyone. And, and, um, and part of me would like to almost, I, I was actually initially planning on doing a podcast to just delve into this issue. And, uh, you know, how do you deal with a situation if it's what Johnny Hunt described? And maybe we'll do that in the future. I don't think uh, right now this is the pressing issue, though. So um, I'm going to move on and just give you some of the recommendations that Guidepost gave. Here's what they gave. 
They want the SBC to establish a permanent administrative entity to oversee comprehensive long-term reforms concerning sexual abuse. So a permanent, permanent administrative entity. So an extra, this is bloated bureaucracy, right? We're going to have another entity that's going to uh, try to implement these reforms. Uh, and what are some of these reforms? Well, create and maintain an offender information system is one. So instead of... Um, leaving this to law enforcement and uh, getting people to pass a background check when they're hired, you would have an extra barrier here of, well, what kind of list does the SBC have about people who have done uh, abuse? And, and here's the question, though, what's that going to be based on? Is it going to be based on credible accusations according to guidepost definition? Remember, this is important. Go back to what a credible accusation is according to guidepost. Credible, credible is defined as not manifestly false or frivolous. That's all it is. It's not manifestly false or frivolous. Kind of a vague definition there. And so uh, this is the kind of thing that could be dangerous if you uh, start accepting accusations that can be very subjectively um, uh, accepted. And, and this is what the whole Me Too movement seems to be based on that it's going to be a guilty until proven innocent situation uh, where someone has to defend themselves against these things when there really isn't uh, proof. Uh, so uh, create and maintain an offender information system, provide a comprehensive resource toolbox. So you're going to have uh, training and education, and all this stuff. Create a voluntary self-certification program for churches who have uh, implemented these best practices. So you're going to have certain churches that have uh, gone through the right hoops, maybe implemented the Caring Well stuff. And remember, the Caring Well stuff, I've talked about it. I'd write about it in Christianity social and Social Justice, Religions, and Conflict. Caring Well is not a, it is a Me Too arm in the Southern Baptist Convention. It is, it is not pastorally driven. It is driven by, quote unquote, survivors, as if they have special information uh, that will help pastors who have the Bible navigate these things. It is... Um, so there's a Gnostic element. It, it, the material itself even argues against innocent until proven guilty based on 1 Corinthians 13, uh, passage that love believes all things. I mean, rips it right out of context. Um, it's going to be that kind of thing that churches will have to, uh, to jump through, I'm sure, in order to receive this kind of uh, certification. And so what, what does it make a church look like if they don't go through the certification process? And they say, well, we don't agree with that. We think uh, we, we believe in a more biblical approach to this. Well, they're going to be in trouble uh, because they're not going to have that protection, that extra layer of protection. And uh, there's going to be some suspicion towards them. Well, if there is an accusation made, well, did you go through these hoops? So, so you can already see, I'm just looking down the road and saying, this is what I would foresee happening. Um, another recommendation, improve governments, gov governance controls including the use of enhanced background checks, letters of good standing, and codes of conduct to voluntary strength and hiring practices, improve governance, restrict the use of non-disclosure agreements. Now, this one I actually like because this, uh, th this is an issue with every entity, uh, so far as I can tell in the SBC, is they do give you these NDAs uh, or NDA equivalents to sign that you won't speak badly about the organization you just worked for, and they'll, they'll tie financial benefits to it, which is terrible. Um, and this has been a problem. And this is probably a good thing that this needs to stop. Uh, so so it, it's not all bad. Uh, but, um, but silver linings, you know, it, it's, this is one good idea, but it's, it's uh, in the minority here of all, all the other ideas that uh, many of them just seem to be 
um, creating another kind of bloated bureaucracy, top-down governance in an organization that's supposed to believe in the autonomy of the local church. Uh, we have adopt a declaration of principle, setting out fundamental standards regarding how sexual abuse allegations will be handled at every level of the SBC. That means on the church level, too. Uh, so have a sincere apology and a tangible gesture. Uh, provide a, listen to this one, a survivor compensation fund for sexual abuse survivors. So the SBC, the churches who give to missions and education and theological training are now that money is going to go partially to a fund um, to uh, for, for people who were abused, perhaps in a church that you're not part of, most likely. And your money, though, is going to go to compensate them as a tangible gesture. <laughs> well, you know, your church wasn't part of that. You weren't responsible for that. You're just in the SBC if you're a church because you want to participate in the missions and, and the church planning and the education. And now your money's going to be going to this when you had no control over those other churches and what they did. Uh, I mean, this is a way of centralizing the SBC. It's a way of pushing churches out uh, because there's no incentive if more and more money goes to these kinds of things. This is spells doom for the SBC. Here's another one. Empower the... Uh, their com special committee they want to um, develop here, uh, the uh, this commission, uh, to better communicate with survivors and churches by providing trauma and sexual abuse training uh, for the members of the committee. Uh, improve the online reporting portal. Uh, consult with experts. Uh, and you know you wonder who those experts are going to be. I mean, if if Guidestone or Guidepost is an expert, who are the other experts? Are there, is cons consultants from the Me Too movement? Consultants from psychology, from the world? You know, who are they going to be? Uh, so th that, that's a concern, you know, to what extent, um, now the re initial reactions here, uh, here's just a few I saw. One was Danny Aiken at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, where I went and had my MDiv from decided, let's basically take down everything related to Paige Patterson and Johnny Hunt. Um, even though with, with those two particular cases, you, you have a lot of questions about things that happened years ago and what actually happened. There's a lot of he said, she said, but we're just going to treat it like they're guilty, take all the stuff down, despite whatever contributions they made to the convention and to Southeastern and building it. Just poof, they're gone. And uh, I think it says something about they want to, I'm trying to find it in here. He wrote something about trying to, to uh, create a kind of like a shrine or a, a location on campus to support the victims or the, the survivors. Uh, so that's what it's going to be replaced with. Um, so a lot of grandstanding. This doesn't really do anything tangibly to help actual victims, but it's a uh, it's part of the cancel culture stuff. And then you have this letter from Steve Gaines at Bellevue Baptist Church, and, and it's a lot of it is just really just how emotional he is over this report. And, uh, and, and so it's a lot of this isn't... He's not doing really anything different than what they were doing, but it's just... There's, there was a lot of grandstanding on on social media uh, when this report came out. And, you know, I'm not part of this. I'm not an abuser. I'm not. Um, but let's apologize for all these other people's sins and act like it's systemic to the denomination. And, and one thing is for certain in my mind is it's not. Uh, yes, there's going to be abuse. With an organization as big as the Southern Baptist Convention, of course there's going to be. And, and if you're going with what the Houston Chronicle reported over the past 30 years, um, I don't remember, someone did the math. Uh, I remember a while ago, I mean, it's like, you know, what less, less than 1% of, uh, pastors, you know, in the denomination, but okay. It's, it's bad. You know, you don't want even one, uh, uh, one tenth of 1%. You don't want anyone that's an abuser in your denomination, of course, but 
we don't live in a perfect world and we should expect that there's going to be tares among the wheat. There's going to be false teachers. There's going to be um, all the issues that were uh, navigated in the New Testament are still present. And so, you know, this is an area that's awkward to get into, but what should the percentage be? What what kind, when, when do you say, okay, this is um, above normal? Uh, this is, you know, what is it for the average population uh, as far as percentage of abusers? What about other denominations? So, so compare apples with apples. Um, but if you're just focused on look at these abusers, then, and, and some of them, we don't even know if they're credible or not, uh, if they've been credibly accused then it's, and that's only where you're looking, then of course you're going to think it's this horrible problem. And look, in some areas, it may be a problem. In some churches, it may be a problem. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying, if you look at the big picture of the entire denomination, all the little churches all around, um, some churches, it's not. It's just not. In many churches, probably the majority of churches, it's not a problem. In some, it is. And and so, but what this, the reaction to this does is say that, well, like, kind of like we're all guilty though. Every church is guilty. Uh, and and yet at the same time, what you myself, I am doing this gesture. I am washing my hands of all this. Look, I'm taking down these names. I'm, I you know, look at me. And, and this, so there's a lot of like virtue signal stuff going on here. And, and so, you know, frankly, I just find it, um, it just some, somewhat disingenuous. Uh, this isn't really tangible stuff, but we're going to get into this, some of the tangible stuff because the commission the, that created the, the task force that um, hired Guidepost uh, took some of these recommendations and they have their own recommendations. And so we'll get into some of those. Now, the Gospel Coalition also reacted uh, to this and I'll just read you a little bit of this. How should Baptists and Christians respond to the SBC Task Force report on sexual abuse? Here's what they say. The report details how abuse victims call for reforms and crafted plans for centralized sexual abuse database of the convention uh, over 15 years ago. Leaders rejected the plan in itself. That's a scandal. So there's a scandal, it says, because leaders rejected the plan. Well, here's the thing. Why did leaders reject the plan? Was Were leaders um, concerned that this would create... Some, make the SBC executive committee and the SBC uh, itself something that it's not by usurping this at- autonomy of the local churches and uh, consolidating uh, things into now more of a Presbyterian type model. You know, if that's their concern, if it's we're, we're going to create something here that's never been created, this was never the intention of the SBC, then you, you might see some legitimacy to it, but it, it doesn't matter what their motive. It's just they're, it's scandalous. Uh, lawyers and leaders feared ascending liability, putting money designed designated for missions at risk by establishing public databases like uh, for mechanisms of accountability between autonomous SBC entities and autonomous churches. Yet the behavior detailed in the report shows little regard for the greater liability those uh, who mistreat victims will incur when they stand face to face at the final judgment with the Lord. So here they're pitting it. You know, you're concerned about the money. You should be concerned about the Lord. And yeah, I agree. In principle, who doesn't? Every Christian agrees with that. Here's the deal, though. Uh, I mean, to, to pick a ridiculous example, should I be somewhat liable for churches in my region, a 30-mile radius? Should I be liable if the Assemblies of God Church, of which I don't share, uh, let's say, uh, uh, there's I have different pneumatology, I have a different... Uh, really, in some ways, a different soteriology. There's there's a lot of differences I have. Should I then take upon myself, since I'm a Christian, they're Christians, their liability? Well, no, obviously not. That's crazy, John. You know. Well, 
someone could say, well, you're just concerned about the money. You should be concerned about, you know, the, the judgment of, well, it's like, but it's not in my, it's not in my purview. So the assumption here is that the executive committee, it is in their purview. This is something that they should and can address. This isn't a local church matter uh, alone. This is something that the SBC executive committee must address. If you have an abuser in your church, a predator in your church, and something goes awry, the SBC executive committee should be somewhat liable. That's the assumption behind this you're going to keep finding. And that's the thing that is going to be a fight at the convention perhaps this year. In moments like these, we're all tempted to say, this doesn't pertain to me. We're tempted to ask, is that my problem? It's an echo of the excuse spoken east of Eden. Am I my brother's keeper? The answer to the question was always yes. So much mistreatment and abuse has happened because Baptists refuse to look, refuse to learn, refuse to listen. Well, again, is that a blank check? Am I always my brother's keeper? Who's my brother? Who's the one that I actually have responsibility for? Uh, and, and that's the, the crux of this. And it's not argued for, it's just assumed. Some will be tempted, it says, to say, this is just a few bad apples or most of them uh, that was in the past. Humility requires us to honestly admit we have no clue how much of this continues now. Well, you know, there's some truth. Yeah, of course, we don't know. A lot of it's covered up. Uh, this report, limited in scope, is the first word on abuse in our convention, not the last. More will come out. Now, that's probably true, too. Um, we're going to have more agitation for this kind of thing. We must listen and learn. We must also speak up. A source of, uh, of clear pain throughout the report is how often abuse victims stood alone as they fought for reforms. To walk away from the SBC now is to walk away from victims. To walk away now is to walk away from our responsibility. Because I think what the Gospel Coalition and Griffin Gutledge, who used to work at Southeastern, who is writing for them here, what he is getting at is that, yeah, there's an in- disincentive here to be part of the SBC. Why would I want to be part of an organization of which I don't really have control, but now churches of which I, I just don't have control over, I'm going to be liable for their misconduct, uh, p- potentially. Uh, I, I would leave in that situation. But he said, well, don't leave because then you're rejecting, you, you would be, I guess you'd be uh, in league with the predators if you did that. That's what would be the case. So uh, Gospel Coalition weighs in. Tom Askell weighed in, uh, his reaction. I thought this was really good. He, this is what he says. Now he, he has some of the same concerns I do, but this is what he said about uh, what would be good to have happen. The report makes clear, he says, that the staff hid vital information from the executive committee trustees, even deceiving them at points, which is in clear violation of the bylaws. So he's saying, look, staff to the executive committee were hiding things. There wasn't communication there. That's not how that's supposed to work. The trustees of all our entities need to receive better training to understand their fiduciary responsibility to hold the entities accountable to the churches that make them possible. We desperately need to implement structural board reform so boards provide meaningful oversight to their entities. Uh, we should res- uh, strictly require that conflict of interest be disclosed, uh, that there's recusal when they need to have recusal, that, um, let's see, that forensic audits happen periodically. This is stuff that would actually make sense. This is stuff that uh, could potentially, uh, and it wouldn't violate the autonomy of the local church. It wouldn't uh, open up uh, litigation against the SBC uh, that would violate that autonomy. Th- this would just be, you know, let's make sure that we don't have corrupt individuals with the incentive to cover for their buddies inhabiting these board positions. And that would be a good, wise thing, whether or not the issue is sexual abuse or another issue. It might be financial issues. Uh, but that's not part of the guidepost recommendations. And, I, and that is interesting. Tom Askell highlights this, but guidepost uh, left it out. Um, now, since then, 
Uh, and I'm going to get into some of the recommendations uh, that were adopted by the task force uh, that the executive committee appointed. But since this whole thing and, and the debate that's ensued online over this, uh, this is what's been taking place. Uh, and as I sit here on June 7th, this is what's taking place. Yesterday, Guidepost Solutions posted this. Guidepost is committed to strengthening diversity, equity, and inclusion and strives to be an organization where our team can bring their authentic selves to work. We celebrate our collective progress toward equality for all and are proud to be an ally to our LGBTQ plus community. And there's a big rainbow flag. Now, in the report, uh, there is a comparison made, which, uh, which is very interesting to me. And this is what the comparison says. Uh, we have reviewed, this is Guidepost, all of the sexual abuse related submission to the CC during the audit time period, the Credentials Committee. Below are some of our observations of the Credentials Committee's timeframes. Okay, so the Credentials Committee responsible for, uh, accountable to the Executive Committee, responsible for making sure that we don't have, let's say, um, pastor or, or churches that are violating the Baptist faith and message in the convention. So uh, women pastors, you know, that violates the Baptist faith and message. So that kind of thing. Now, they, they must do a pretty poor job because there's a lot of SBC. In fact, the other day I was searching for something unrelated and found, oh, that's an SBC church with women pastors. But I do digress. Uh, they compare it to, uh, they, they look at, uh, it says the shortest time that the, the uh, credentials committee took to process a sexual abuse inquiry was three months. The longest time it, so it was 29. So the average time is 9.6 months. Okay, so it takes 9.6 months when there's an inquiry into sexual abuse for the credentials committee to, to yield a verdict or something like that. Uh, or to uh, complete the process. Now, in contrast, they say, look how long it takes the credentials committee to make final recommendations on sexual abuse, or, or sorry, um, on um, on issues related to LGBT. Uh, let me see if I can find the exact quote here. Uh, okay, so here it is. Um, Calvary Baptist Church hired a married lesbian couple as co-pastors in 2017. Calvary was disassociated from the SBC in the early 2000s and was only associated with uh, a local state convention. Uh, but in February 2017, just one month after the executive committee's discovery of Calvary's leadership, uh, let's, they were disfellowshipped uh, or there was a threat to disfellowship the local association if they didn't disfellowship Calvary. So here, here's the point. Here's the big picture here. Let's not get lost in the details. The big picture is hey, it takes you guys 9.6 months to investigate sexual abuse allegations and come up with a verdict. And it only takes you uh, a month to uh, reach a conclusion on a married lesbians that are uh, in violation of the Baptist faith and message, but have uh, become uh, pastors at a church and disfellowshipping them. Well, here's the thing. That's clear cut, guys. That's a clear violation of the Baptist faith and message. And there's no you know, he said, she said, well, you know, I deny that this accusation is true. We only have male pastors here that are uh, straight. <laughs> you know, that's not what's going on. It, it, you have a church that's brazenly violating the Baptist faith and message, then it's there's no need for more investigation into it. So, so this is just poor, this is dumb <laughs> on the part of guideposts. They clearly don't understand SBC theology, or or they do understand it and they're against it, and that would make sense since they just posted yesterday their uh, their uh, support for the LGBTQ um, normalization. Now, what's interesting more to me is the reaction to this because they conducted the report. So you have Andrew uh, Hebert, 
who is on the sex abuse task force for the SBC that hired Guidepost. And he said that, look, we, we just hired them to do an investigation because of their reputation as a world-class investigative firm. We did not choose them because of their theological or political agreement. We do not agree with their recent tweet affirming Pride Month. Okay, great. I mean, I'm glad you don't agree with them, but it does it not escape you a little bit that this um, affirmation of LGBT normalization is in the same basic category of sexual, uh, the, the se sexual perversion in, in a Christian ethic, <laughs> that the um, whole issue of uh, sexual abuse um, is, is part of it. I mean, these are related things that you just hired a firm that can't think straight morally when it comes to sexual ethics to investigate you and give you, not just investigate, but give you recommendations on sexual ethics. Let's listen to them. They know about sexual ethics and they'll help us navigate this. By the way, they don't share our sexual ethics. That's my point. Does it? Does that irony not escape you? Now, Bart Barber, I was gonna play this video. I don't think we have time, but Bart Barber, he's running for SBC president against Tom Askell. He posted a whole video, about five minutes long, let me just summarize for you. Basically, he does all this moral equivalency uh, rationalization. He says, well, uh, you know, the SBC um, hired this guidepost uh, solutions organization, and we don't agree with them because they, you know, they, they don't uh, believe a man is a man and a woman's a mo woman. And, and we know that a man is a man and a woman's a woman. Um, but then he, he says, but you know what? Basically, the people who are against, in his mind, uh, the recommendations or the um, the report and and it's all, all of that's connected to that uh, from guidepost solutions those who are skeptical of it those you know they're just trying to uh, cover up abuse they're 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 those people are the ones that are problematic and you know what they're morally equivalent to guidepost so guidepost has a bad ethic uh, when it comes to sexual um, perversion and LGBT but you know what those who don't want to receive guideposts, recommendations, uh, they are just as, as bad. That's the argument he makes. And he also does another moral equivalency in his tweet thread, which this video is contained in, where he says, um, and I'll just read it, that he learned about Guidepost's uh, statement on LGBT. And he said, if we're going to accept the rationalizations given for working closely with atheists like James Lindsay, it would seem that anything would be possible. And then Megan Basham from the Daily Wire says, hey, hold on. Um, I think we need to note here that Lindsay does not affirm pride ideology. And then Bart Barber says, well, fool says in his heart, there's no God. We have a book. It says that's preeminently important. Well, here's the deal. This is, this is where there's the categories, category error going on here. James Lindsay was not contracted ever by the Southern Baptist Convention to uh, investigate their belief in God. <laughs> or to see whether or not their view of the Trinity is orthodox. That would be absurd. He's an atheist. He doesn't have the same beliefs that the Southern Baptists have, right? That would be absurd. Guess what James Lindsay's done? Further, uh, first of all, he's never been contracted by the Southern Baptist Convention. Secondly, he's only been at some conferences that Southern Baptists have also been at in which uh, so I think what G3 Ministries, maybe, maybe they've contracted Lindsay. Okay. Um, it's, but that's not the Southern Baptist convention, uh, to inform them about wokeness, about social justice, because guess what? He's an expert on that stuff. Um, now I'm just going to say this up front now and, and uh, take this as you will. 
I, I like James Lindsay. As a person, I really do like James Lindsay. Um, I've talked to him on several occasions. Uh, I wouldn't say that we're, we're not close or anything. I haven't, it's been a few years, I think, since I had any exchange with him. Uh, but uh, in fact, once I, I even had dinner with him. And, and so I, I like him as a person. I think he's done a lot of good work in, in many areas. Um, in fact, I, I quote him, I think, uh, maybe two or three times in Christianity and social justice, religions, and conflict. And, and so I want to say that about James Lindsay. That said, there is part of me like, you know, that, that does get a little uncomfortable with, I'm like, okay, I understand he, he does understand this issue well, and there doesn't seem to be many others in Christianity who have done the level of research, at least at the time he was doing some of this, um, some of this speaking. There, there weren't others in, in prominent levels, at least, doing a lot of the same research. And so I understand you bringing someone like him in to do some consultation, but the fact that he is an atheist, he's not an Orthodox believer in Christ, I, I just there is a little bit of an aversion I have to that. Like, and, and I'm not saying it's a sin. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, and I understand, I, I get why uh, he would be a, a good guy to do this. And I think a lot of his, but, but it has to be stated up front. And I think it has been stated up front. I think people are not under any illusion that he, you know, I think he even states clearly, look, I'm an atheist. I'm here to help you guys with this. So there's nothing innately, like I, I can't see anything innately morally wrong with having someone like that advise you. If I, if I it, it's almost like um, in some ways, I suppose it's like having someone teach me, you know, about mechanics or something. Who's an atheist? They can teach me about mechanics, but this is a moral issue, and the social justice issue is a moral issue. So I, I, there is part of me that gets what Bart Barber's saying. Like, you know, hey, couldn't we get someone who's a Christian to come in and do this? But Here's the thing. Bart Barber is making all these categorical errors by equivocating the two because they're just not equivalent. The Southern Baptist Convention never hired James Lindsay and James Lindsay wasn't coming in to investigate our doctrine of God in the, or the Southern Baptist Convention's doctrine of God ever. So it's not, it's not related. Yet Guidepost was brought in to do just that, to investigate issues related to sexual misconduct when, in fact, they have a broken moral compass on sexual ethics. So Bart Barber, in, in my opinion, swing and a miss. Tom Askell's response is basically, this is who we gave our tithe dollars to. He says, I and 47,000 other Southern Baptists plus millions of faithful members feel betrayed. We paid millions to an LGBT affirming and proud organization to guide us on moral and spiritual matters. I mean, he's spot on, in my opinion. Why in the world did we do this? And this is the effect of this. <laughs> the lawyers are lining up. Here's a sponsored ad on Facebook. Alert to Southern Baptists, sexual assault victims uh, who are uh, sexually assaulted by a minister or leader, a minister, a pastor of the Southern Baptist Convention. Do you want compensation? Our law firm will represent you. If How about on uh, the Gerard Sharp Law Firm, Southern Baptist Convention uh, of Sexual Abuse Investigation. Hey, get in on our, the lawsuit we're going to do. I mean, uh, Leaf... Uh, Cab Racer, Hyman and Bernstein, another law firm, massive Southern Baptist church sexual abuse cover-up in cases. We're looking at class action lawsuits here, guys, because of this, because of this. And the reaction of the committee is going to be, it, that I'm about to show you is going to be pivotal for this. Now, um, as far as I know, the task force is already in violation. Uh, less than 30 days out from the convention is when they presented 
uh, their report when in fact it it was required the task force itself was required to do so um, uh, more than 30 days in advance but uh, but I don't think anyone's calling them on it so this is what their recommendations are um, and the reason that what I just said is relevant by the way is because Southern Baptists who are showing up need time to digest this and understand this and so that's why hey let's give them at least 30 days well they haven't been given that but Here's some of what's being said uh, by what the task force wants to do. Let's hire a designated trained person or independent contractor to receive reports of abuse um, for the credentials committee. So let's an extra layer here, an extra uh, extra money going to investigating these things. Let's put aside $3 million to be allocated to the cooperative program or, or uh, to, to this initiative. Um, let's, um, let's implement a bunch of training. Um, and so you have some of what guidepost was recommending being implemented here or recommended here. Um, let's study the guidepost recommendations and then have a report next year at the convention. Uh, let's, uh, serve as a resource in abuse, uh, prevention. So let, let's put all these resources out there. Let's work with the executive committee and credentials committee to select an independent firm or firms to assist in credentials committee by providing factual findings for complaints of non-cooperation due to sexual abuse. So this is going to be the creation of an, another uh, another hierarchy in a way that's going to police these things and there's going to be, and money's going to be involved in this. And what direction this is going to take at the convention is going to be interesting. Now, here's the last part of this I want to highlight. Um, let's put a ministry check website up for those who have been convicted or had civil judgment against them for sexual abuse, but also those who have been credibly accused names of pastors, and so, so we're going to have a list. This is where things can get dicey. These are rules that are being made, standards that are be, being put up, a whole new system um, that now the local churches are going to be under and expected to abide by. And uh, and now this is, what, this is the kind of thing that can open them up for the Southern Baptist Convention as a whole for class action lawsuits. If it, was, if it happened at an SBC church, well, whose job is it to police that? Well, it's the credentials committee. And did they do their job? Maybe they didn't. That's going to be the issue moving forward. Here's the danger. I want to quote Josh Abatoy from the American Reformer. He says, the new administrative entities, policies, and procedures would become binding in as much as any SBC measure can be said to be binding on local SBC churches throughout proposed changes to be made to the credentials committee. Under guidepost proposed construct, the credentials committee would be empowered to make a determination that an SBC church is not in friendly cooperation with the SBC, that it must be disfellowshipped. If the credentials committee determines that such a church is not cooperating with the new administrative entity, uh, further, the comp composition of the credentials committee should be would be altered to require that no less than four out of nine members be women, which I talked about that issue. Uh, let's see, because the credentials committee would have significantly expanded workload, uh, its staff would be correspondingly increased. Uh, the Sexual Abuse Task Force report also calls for a creation of a survivor compensation fund overseen by an independent special master to provide compensation for abuse survivors. The effect of the fund would be to distribute liability for abuse cases. Cooperative program giving by the small local churches will be will in part be awarded to the fund in order to pay for abuse compensation by other churches. Additionally, the report expressly calls for the sale of SBC assets in order to fund the survivor compensation fund. 
So do you want to be part of a denomination that's selling off its assets, that redistributing money to this fund that now you're liable for, and now class action lawsuits could potentially happen? This is the reaction we're getting, and this is just a small sampling from some of those on the more Me Too side on Twitter. Uh, you have Julie Royce uh, saying that in a fiery comments, uh, Joe Knott, a member of the SBC Executive Committee, claimed that taking steps to prevent abuse in churches would lead to ruin. Right, because again, they're not getting to the root issue. They're just assuming their, uh, their cure for this issue, their way of handling it is the only way of handling it. That this isn't uh, something that, uh, th this must be something consolidated and then dealt with at this, this level uh, of the, at the top of the SBC. This isn't something to remind local churches, hey, call the police. That's their purview. Uh, this isn't something to, um, I mean, that's going to be part of it, I'm sure. But this, it, it's got to be so much more than that. And if you're not on board with all of it, well, you just must be covering for abuse. That's the insinuation. Rachel Denhollander, interesting that the task force and survivors are getting blamed for the cost of cleaning up the mess. That, so, so if you, and she's replying to Denny Burke, uh, if you have uh, some concerns about this, some of which I've just talked about, well, you are blaming the survivors. Um, you have Jared Wilson. I did not have wanting to warn churches about the abusers. Is liberalism on my Baptist bingo card at all? And Trevin Wax, Bing, Baptist bingo battle strategy. Just say fill in the blank is liberalism and that's what you get. Momentum for whatever you want to happen or whatever you want to stop. So they're just, ha ha ha, let's make fun of anyone who has concerns because, well, they're just uh, against warning churches of abusers. They, they, they can't be this stupid. They cannot be this stupid. But this is how it's framed. That if you have any concerns about this, that if you think this will fundamentally change the Southern Baptist Convention, open them up to a bunch of liability, cause churches to exit in massive numbers, um, if you're worried that you're going to have people who are innocent unfairly accused and their names smeared and lawsuits even resulting in that when their names get put on lists uh, because it's supposedly a credible accusation, when you stack committees with members uh, just because of their gender and not their qualifications, you know, if you have any concerns of any of that, well, you just uh, you're just crying wolf that it's liberalism or you're just supporting you're just uh, against supporting abusers. Uh, th this is the kind of logic we're getting. Now, let me, let me give you, for you some biblical things to think about. Biblically, two or three witnesses is how truth is established. There is a due process here. Credible accusations do need to meet this. You need lines of authentication here. Also, you need to think about consensual versus forced here. Uh, Deuteronomy 22 says this, If a man is found lying with a married woman, then both of them shall die shall die. Man, that's pretty harsh, John. Well, that's what the Bible says. The man who lay with the woman and the woman, thus you shall purge the evil from Israel. If there is a girl who is a virgin engaged to a man and another man finds her in the city and lies with her, okay, in the city where there's people around, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city and you shall stone them to death. The girl, because she did not cry out. Well, here's what the Me Too movement says today. Well, hold on. That person was in a position of privilege and power over me. It was a man. It was a leader. It was a pastor. It was, I, 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 you know, if I cried out, no one would believe me. I'm sorry, but this is what biblical justice demands. And I, and I am sorry. I really am because I know that those situations are real. We live in a world that's filled with sin. 
there is no perfect world. We got to remember that there is no perfect world. And when you try to make it a perfect world using imperfect men by consolidating more power, that creates more potential for sin. But if the woman in the city does not cry out, so there could have been people that would hear her. This could have been reported and she refused to do it. And the man, because he has violated his neighbor's wife, uh, let's see, uh, okay, she did not cry out. Um, then they both get stoned to death because it's adultery. It's not rape, it's adultery. But if in the field the man finds the girl who is engaged and the man forces her, so no one's around in this case, and lies with her, then only the man who lies with her shall die because you shall do nothing to the girl. So here's where um, the superior physical ability of a man is acknowledged here, that if it's somewhere where uh, no one, there's no evidence, uh, except we know that it happened, but there's no evidence that this was consensual, that it, it looks like this was, um, or I should say that that this, this situation uh, could have very well have been um, the man forcing himself, then guess who dies? It's the man, it's not the woman. So the woman's reporting it, but she, there was no one there to hear her cry out. You shall do nothing to the girl. There is no sin in the girl worthy of death. For just as a man rises against his neighbor and murders him, so is this case. When he found her in the field, the engaged girl cried out, but there was no one to save her. If a man finds a girl who is a virgin, who is not engaged and seizes her and lies with her and they are discovered, then the man who lay with her shall give to the girl's father 50 shekels of silver and she shall become his wife because he has violated her. He cannot divorce her all his days. This The Bible does make these distinctions. And of course you need to, for modern times, think about, okay, we have cell phones. We have uh, most of the people doing this. It's not out in a field somewhere. It's going to be in a, in a location where there's going to be someone around if you cried bloody murder most of the time, not all the time. Um, you, you have to take those things into account. Uh, you have to take into account cameras and all the other ways that we have for authenticating things into account. But there is a process here. That's just ignore. Guidepost doesn't understand this. It doesn't seem like even some of the Me Too people in the Southern Baptist Convention understand this. And justice was dealt with swiftly at this time. This is, we're looking at stuff 20 years ago in some cases, trying to reconnect the dots. You also have the government sphere versus the church's sphere. Romans 13 says the government bears the sword. It's the government's job to investigate these things. You have a high standard uh, in scripture. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous, both of them alike, are what? An abomination to the Lord. So condemning the righteous? abomination to the Lord. And that's the potential here when you just accept accusations. Um, and then, of course, statute of limitation. Now, here's some, I, I just wrote that. I didn't put verses next to it. You do find some, uh, the principle in scripture of statute of limitations. That, that's the whole idea with the avenger of blood and uh, waiting until, I think it's the, the high priest dies in order to leave the city of refuge. And But um, in, in Western, in, in our jurisprudence today, we've kind of developed this uh, statute of limitations. And the, the only point I wanted to make with this is that the farther away you get from the event, the harder it is to piece it together. And some of these events are being brought up like they're fresh, like it was just yesterday and we just don't have all the information. And yet we're, we're relying on people's memories from these times. And, and it should have been a situation where, look, someone cried out that it was reported right away. And, and someone thinks that they can come by decades later and report something. And we well, just have to take me seriously now. I didn't do it for all those years, but now you have to take me seriously. Um, that We need to have a little bit of skepticism with that kind of thing. 
even and it could be true that's the thing some of this stuff could be true that's possible but there's no way to to find out often these are the things that I, I would like to see discussed that what i'd like to see part of this discussion and they're not and that's one of the things that grieves me about this and this is one of the things that you're gonna have to remember going to anaheim if you're a messenger this is where the battle lies are we going to go with what biblically scripture talks about are we going to go uh, with a, a high standard with uh, lines of authentication due process uh, are we going to go with the, the truth or are we going to go with we well we need standpoint theory here to help us out we need to make sure that um, uh, we we believe women that you know this loose definition of what credible is is what we use to figure out whether something is true or not we need to change the very nature of the southern baptist convention these are all things up for grabs and so it's going to be, um, for that reason, uh, um, an important convention in some ways. So anyway, I hope that's helpful for everyone who's going to the convention uh, to help you all understand this better and navigate it. And uh, I'll, I'll give you some more personal updates and things later on in the week. I, I've been very busy lately with a number of things, um, things related to this podcast and, and some of the work that I've been doing. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to leave you with that for now since we're almost an hour in. Um, I want to say, uh, just in closing, that if you go to worldviewconversation.com, there are a number of places I'm going to be this weekend and next week, uh, speaking uh, mainly in, um, I think, Wisconsin. I think it's all Wisconsin. So if you live in Wisconsin, I'm going to be all over your state next week speaking, and I would love to see you. So uh, we're going to, right now, I'm scheduled to, to preach about Gideon. Uh, and we're going to talk about, I think, the Me Too movement and then just some general social justice stuff. And we'll take questions and we'd love to just meet you. And so uh, that's happening this weekend and next week. God bless. More coming. Bye. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.